Hello and welcome, you're through to Liberated Voices with your host, me, Intia Fatma, and myself, Hussein Abuda Ali, the Akidis. Today we'll be talking to uh, Akib Mahmoud um, regarding the situation in Pakistan. So, so welcome to the show, Akib. So, Akib, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the situation is right now in Pakistan? Um, so, right now uh, in Pakistan, we have a sort of um, a standoff between the government in the federal federal government and Imran Khan's party, the PTI. Uh, Imran Khan, as you know, probably remember, was removed in a regime change operation orchestrated by America and um, you know, facilitated by the establishment in Pakistan uh, back in April, uh, beginning of April. And since then, it's been a long struggle against um, sort of political crackdowns against his party, um, different sort of attacks and accusations of corruption and 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 basically nothing nothing has stuck to him. Uh, his government was removed in in the Punjab province, which is the most populous and most influential uh, province. Um, and there were by elections held there, which he won resoundingly. Uh, he won seventy five percent of the seats. Um, yeah, and and he came back into government in in the Punjab province. Um, his elected his nominated. Um, uh, chief Minister is now the Chief Minister of Punjab and they're in government in, I'd say, about 70% of the country. Uh, the federal government is restricted to an area of about 26 kilometres squared and that's a very tiny area compared to the rest of Pakistan and it's literally surrounded by governments that are run by PTI, uh, Imran Khan's party. So the Prime Minister is essentially, um, you know, the mayor of Islamabad right now. And they're trying everything to sort of uh, attack Imran Khan and, and reduce his popularity and, and build narratives against him. So that's where we're at right now. Uh, it's good because of the situation, like in terms of the lack of political power that the federal government has now, elections are pretty much inevitable. So there, are, there will be early elections and there's talk of elections being announced for October. So that's something that um, could be happening in any, any day now. Uh, so just just regarding uh, the foreign funding case that's been taken out against Imran Khan, um, can you give us some more details into into what's happening there and what's being um, said and what's happened in sure. the trial? Sure. So the foreign funding case was basically a misnomer. It was actually a case of um, prohibited funding. So foreign funding actually implies that a party, a political party, is being funded by a foreign government agency or a foreign government directly. So, for example, the CIA is funding a party or, you know, the Indian Raw Intelligence or Afghan NDS is funding a party or, which there are parties who are, who are funded by CIA in Pakistan. There are parties who are funded by Raw and NDS, who, who were funded by Raw and NDS in Pakistan. So those kind of parties, they can be um, banned for being foreign agents. Imran Khan's party was never actually accused of that. Imran Khan's party was raised funds from overseas Pakistanis. So people like myself who are dual nationals, who live in the UK, who might even be born in the UK, but we're entitled to nationality in Pakistan. 
um, people people in countries like the US, Canada, places like that, Europe. These people have dual nationalities. They can apply for a Pakistani passport as well. They have Pakistani ID cards for overseas Pakistanis. They can donate to PTI. The, the problem comes is when when you fundraise in countries like the UK or Europe, in places in Europe or Canada, especially in America, especially after 9-11, what you have to do is you have to go through a procedure where you have to account for the money that you've raised. You have to explain to the authorities in America what this money is for, and then you can transfer that money over to Pakistan to PTI's official accounts. So the process of that is that you have to register a company, a private limited company in America. You have to register a private limited company in the UK. And Pakistan's law states that you can't be funded by by companies. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. what that basically means is that you can't be funded by foreign companies, like, for example, McDonald's or Coca-Cola or multinationals, like big firms like that. Because obviously then you'll be working to their agenda. It's just taking, it's like taking a break. What this is, is it's a, it's a case of um, misconstruing the law and misrepresenting it and bending it to show that PTI was being funded by foreign companies, when in fact the company itself is called PTI LLC or PTI UK Limited. Mm. And what that company's purpose, sole purpose is, is to raise funds from overseas Pakistanis in UK or Canada or America or wherever, and, uh, account for those funds with the UK government or the Canadian authorities or the American authorities, and then transfer those funds, which are legally obtained, uh, into PTI's accounts. And the election commission has laughably said that all of this money is, uh, we can confiscate it. All of this money is illegal funding and foreign funding, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they've also done many other laughable things where they've, you know, because someone's name doesn't sound Pakistani enough to them for some reason. I don't know how you define that. Um, you know, they've said that these people are foreign nationals. And it's hilarious because on the day that the judgment came out, uh, people went onto Twitter and and whose names were in the list as non-Pakistanis, and they literally showed their ID cards and their Pakistani passports and said, "I'm a dual national Pakistani. I gave that money, and the ECP needs to change its report immediately, otherwise we're going to sue them for calling us non-Pakistanis." So yeah, yeah it's a uh, it's 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 a farce now. The, the the ECP decision is a complete farce. It's been exposed. They spent eight years digging through everything in uh, PTI's accounts. All of it was accounted for. All of it is audited. All of it's, uh, you know, up to date. And there's there's no sort of foreign funding here. There might be the odd donation where, you know, there's some question marks about it. But it doesn't amount to anything anything big. It, I mean, the idea that they're selling is that the propaganda that the government is using, the regime changed government is using, is that Imran Khan is a, you know, uh, inverted commas, Jewish agent, Israeli agent. They've always said this about him. Um, he's a he's an American agent. He's a CIA agent. He's an Indian agent. Blah blah blah. And he's been taking money from these countries: Israel, America, India. And he's uh, uh, to act against the interests of Pakistan. But the money that they total money that they've managed to account in eight years is about sixteen thousand dollars that they allege that he's been taking from foreign nationals. And, you know, the idea that Imran Khan would sell out Pakistan for $60,000 is just, you know, laughable. He's mm-hmm. the head of, like, several charities which have a budget of millions of dollars. Um, he's not he's not someone who's going to be swayed by $60,000. Mm. I mean, that really is hilarious. I don't understand how 
I mean, what was what's going to happen now to the commission? Surely they must realise what kind of predicament they've put themselves in. Yeah, I mean, the commission has uh, the commission has been against PTA for a long time now. They're, they're very biased against PTA. So in the last sort of um, few couple of years, they've done about eight major decisions against PTA, all of which have been overturned in the courts because they just don't stand up to any sort of legal scrutiny in, in the literally the first legal hurdle in court. And they just fall apart because they're just so sort of um, misguided and uh, misconstrued uh, interpretations of the law. How is is the commission uh, made up? So the commission is elected. um, The commission is selected by the leader of the opposition and and the leader of the government. So the prime minister and the leader of the opposition, they both select the chief election commissioner. The chief minister and the leader of the opposition in in the provinces, they... Uh, select the um, provincial um, election commissioners and that's how the uh, election commission is made up and if those those two cannot agree on a name then it goes to a sort of committee and uh, and they they decide a parliamentary committee and they they decide who who's going to be uh, nominated uh, this particular election commissioner what happened here was Imran Khan gave two or three names and obviously, they were considered by Imran Khan to be, you know, neat and clean and morally upright people who who wouldn't be swayed. Um, Shabazz Sharif obviously thought, no, they're too pro PTI or something, and and we don't want them. So Shabazz Sharif gave his own names. Imran Khan said, no, they're too easily swayed. They're too closely linked to the PMLN or the opposition party at the time, and. Um, so they couldn't come to an agreement. The current election commissioner was actually suggested by the establishment. And Imran Khan had no idea who he was. He didn't really do his uh, you know, homework on him. And uh, he said, look, if, if, if the opposition agrees to this guy, then I have no problem. The, the establishment, um, the military establishment mainly, they suggested to Imran Khan that this guy is, you know, he, he's a neutral and he's not going to you know, pick sides or whatever. He's just going to be fair and down the line with everyone. Uh, turns out that uh, the PMLN immediately accepted this guy and said, yeah, we've got no problem with him. And as soon as he did that, after, after a couple of months, everyone realized actually this guy is very closely linked to PMLN. And since then, he's just given every single decision in their favor, even if it's illegal. And now the only way to remove him is to have a reference filed against him in the Supreme Judicial Council, because essentially his rank is about the same as I think a high court judge or not Supreme Court judge, I'm pretty sure it's the same as, as a high court judge. So to have a high court judge or a Supreme Court judge removed, you need to file a reference uh, of um, uh, you know, malpractice or something or bias or something like that against them in, in the Supreme Judicial Council. And then the Supreme Judicial Council, which is made up of the Chief Justice of Pakistan and, and other people, uh, the Attorney General and places, things like that, they all sit together and they review the evidence and then they make a decision. So Imran Khan has been preparing sort of, you know, a case file against this election commissioner for a while now. And this latest installment is just, you know, it, it just falls into his, um, falls fallen into Imran Khan's lap. He's fallen into Imran Khan's trap here because this is, you know, kind of the perfect excuse to get rid of him. The amount of bias he's shown in this, in this um, judgment mm-hmm. is just hilarious. And, um, you were talking about it's, it's very likely now that there's going to be early elections. Um, obviously, yeah. no one can know for certain, but um, I think it's clear that Imran Khan PTI would probably 
would win the election, get the highest vote. But would they? What do you think is the possibility they'll be able to get a majority, being as they, all the other parties will join against them? Yeah, uh, and basically him against the rest of Parliament at the moment. It seems. Yeah, so they're going to try and rig everything. Obviously, um, Imran Khan's um, sort of plan to deal with that is to first of all get rid of this election commissioner. Secondly, uh, is to you know pressurize the establishment to ensure that there is some sort of you know semblance of um, uh, there is some sort of semblance of uh, neutrality and fairness in in the elections. Um, so just like there was in the Punjab election. So there were the Punjab elections, the by-elections, they were heavily rigged before the the election itself. So voter lists were changed and, you know, people who were alive and who could cast votes were, you know, um, put in a list of people who can't vote because they're dead. And that was up to like 4 million people, I think. So that had to be reversed through the courts and stuff like that. So Imran Khan is going to pressurize the establishment to ensure that none of these things happen in in any sort of general elections. But generally speaking, the public mood at the moment is that, especially with the inflation that this new government has caused, the public mood is that, you know, there's no way they're going to let them stop Imran Khan coming back. Uh, Imran Khan is probably likely to win a two-thirds majority in any sort of uh, general elections. But if not, then he will definitely win a majority easily and a strong majority. So do you feel like Imran Khan may have shot himself in the foot there by not researching this commissioner first? It seems like quite a silly move almost, almost like he's he's so close and then he pulls yeah. this. So the thing is, um, it, it's, it's easy to say this in hindsight after everything that's happened. Sure. Because initially... Uh, Imran Khan and the establishment were on the same pages. This is a, this is a quote, unquote. This is the rhetoric that they used, that military, the establishment and the government are on the same page. But that basically means that they're working together and, and there's no problems. And initially, in the first couple of years, first three or four years, first three years, really, everything was working okay. There were a couple of hiccups. There were slight hiccups there, here and there. But Imran Khan didn't really think much of it. He didn't, you know, even until the last days of the regime change operation, he could not quite believe that the establishment would um, get rid of Imran Khan and bring someone like Shabazz Sharif as prime minister, someone who is literally waiting to be indicted on money laundering charges with his son. He just simply could not comprehend that the establishment would, you know, be able to would be capable of doing that. Um, obviously, he was bitterly disappointed, and that did happen. That transpired. So things have started sort of unraveling now that when you look back, a lot of the decisions that were made with the help of the establishment, for example, or were pressurized on Imran Khan. You know, Imran Khan was pressurized to do things which he didn't want to do, but he was pressurized by the establishment. A lot of them at the time he might have thought, okay, well, you know, it makes kind of sense right now. So, okay, I'll do it. But if you look in hindsight, he was his initial uh, sort of, um, uh, feelings were correct. For example, letting Nawaz Sharif leave the country. He was dead set against that. The establishment, you know, encouraged him and advised him and, and sort of, you know, suggested to him, look, this might be a good time to just get rid of Nawaz Sharif and, you know, send him off to London and, you know, just send him off to pasture and, and he's not going to come back and you can just carry on doing your own thing. That turned out to be a massive mistake. 
and this one that he did not want to do, but he was at the time, he thought, okay, we're on the same page. They're saying it for my own benefit. I'll accept it. But when you look back now, this was all part of one grand plan to oust Imran Khan from, from, you know, from about two years ago. So yeah, um, in hindsight, Imran Khan should, Imran Khan should have uh, done his homework. He should have done his research. But he was under the assumption that the establishment was looking out for his interests, which they weren't. And, um, you know, so now he's he's learned his lesson. Uh, at least I hope he has. Um, he certainly does um, learn his lessons. Like, if you look at him politically, look at, look at his entire career. He has evolved from where he started to where he is now. He He's someone who believes in fighting his fight. And he doesn't care if he loses. He will continue fighting because he will learn from his losses and continue coming back stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's held true over the last 26 years now. And, and you know, he's he's basically the most popular leader in Pakistan right now. So I don't think he'd be making those same mistakes again if he does come to power. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I guess it is always much easier to say things in hindsight, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Hussein, go ahead. Yeah, so I was just thinking... Um... If Labour and the Conservative, if a new party came, say that wasn't really towards the left or to the right, but was a sort of new sort of ideology, and Labour and the Conservatives formed a coalition together to stop that party, both Labour and Conservatives, a lot of their traditional voters would turn against them. Um, is this something that you think the, the PML and the PPP have thought about, have got a counter strategy to, or do you think this is... Um, yeah, is so they Situation. They've definitely thought about that. That's that's a, that's a fair point. They've definitely thought about that, um, and that came to the fore actually in the Punjab by-elections. So a lot of the um, candidates for PMLN were uh, ex-PTI uh, candidates who, or, or ex-PTI MPAs, who had basically taken money or who had sold out and and helped PMLN um, overthrow PTI's government in Punjab. But PMLN had its own candidates in the previous election who fought against, who fought and lost against these people. So when PMLN decided to nominate these PTX PTI people as their candidates, a lot of PMLN supporters didn't come out and, and, and support them and vote for them because they were like, well, you know, he he's A, he's ex-PTI, B, he's sold out, and C, he's going to set out again. Why don't you give, uh, why don't you nominate as candidates the people who you know are solid PMLN uh, candidates. So the PMLN is going to have a lot of problems because a lot of the people who sold out in the National Assembly and in the Provincial Assembly, they've been promised uh, to be nominated as candidates in the in any future elections for PMLN, which gives PMLN a problem because PMLN has its own candidates and they don't know what to do with them. Uh, and also that's going to have a blowback because again, in PMLN's vote back. The other problem is that uh, obviously, like you said, uh, you know, old arch rivals like PMLN, PPP joining together, and that's going to cause problems in their vote bank. So the, the strategy with that would probably be that just before the elections, they're going to have like a fake falling out, where PPP is going to be like, oh, you know, PMLN wants to do this, they're going to sell the country out to the IMF, or, you know, oh, we've always been against the tax rises, tax raises that they've been doing. So, you know, we resign from the government. That's how the government is going to fall. When they know that it's inevitable that elections are around the corner, they're going to have like a fake fight 
and they're just going to break away from each other. And then they're going to use that in, in the election, say, no, well, we didn't, you know, uh, we're the ones who ended their government because they were just like, you know, going down this wrong path. And then PMLN would be like, well, you know, we were doing things to save the country while PPP was looking after its own electoral gain. And, and you know, we should have never gone into coalition with them, blah, blah, blah. And that's what the strategy is going to be, but no one's going to buy it. I mean, people see through it right now. People are predicting it already. Uh, I'm just thinking, um, yeah, that in the UK, I just couldn't see that that sort of working. You know, it's it's. I know it's at least from Labour supporters. If Labour ever went into coalition with the Conservatives, that would be the end. Even when Liberal Democrats went into coalition to the with the Conservatives, their seats went so far down in the next election. Just, well, you say that. You say that, but. The PLP was effectively in coalition with the Tories the whole time Corbyn was leader and, you know, people still vote Labour. Uh, yeah, the, the Parliamentary Labour Party was, but that's more complicated than um, how the media portrays it. The yeah. Labour Party was still officially an opposition party. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were still, a lot of their arguments were, we can't fight the Conservatives with Corbyn. We're, we're unelectable. Yeah. You know, so they still tried to play the, even if they worked with the Tories behind the scenes, they still tried to play that sort of different um, yeah. look. Um, I don't know how, so, so just just give a, some, a lot of our viewers, they won't be aware of anything to do with Pakistani politics or if you could just give us a quick sort of summary of the, the PML and the PPP and the, the history you know, just so people know who they are, what, what they were traditionally and how the PGI yeah. came up. And... So the PPP is uh, the older of the two parties. Uh, PPP came about in uh, the late 60s, early 70s, as um, founded by Zulfikar Ali Bhutto, who was, uh, how can I say this? He was the foreign minister of uh, Ayub Khan, who was a dicta military dictator. He then had a falling out with Ayub Khan and decided to create the PPP. He then fought in elections and lost against uh, Mujibur Rahman, who was uh, the founder of Bangladesh. Uh, he lost the elections to a majority of seats in East Pakistan, and he refused to concede. Uh, he lost the elections, he refused to concede, and then that led to the civil war and, and the creation of uh, Bangladesh from East Pakistan. Mm -hmm. uh, he then became de facto um, civilian martial law administrator and then president and then prime minister after the constitution. He, he was, uh, he's credited with creating the constitution of Pakistan in 1970s. Um, and so after him, the party, after he was uh, um, killed, by and overthrown and killed by Ziaul Haq, who was a dictator. His party was, uh, you know, inherited by his daughter, Benazir Bhutto, who then went on to become the first uh, female prime minister of uh, any Muslim country, I think, and uh, certainly Pakistan. Um, so she went on to become prime minister three times, if I'm correct. No, twice. She went on to become prime minister twice, I think. Um, her sort of main opposition was Nawaz Sharif, who was launched by Ziaul Haq's dictatorship in the 80s. So, um, you know, uh, Nawaz Sharif belonged to a business family in Lahore, and um, his father tried to get him into politics. 
and um, you know he calls it up to a General Jilani, who was the governor of Punjab province, uh, who appointed Nawaz Sharif as the Minister of uh, Excise and Taxes in Punjab. Um, and from there, Imra, uh, you know, Nawaz Sharif became Chief Minister of Punjab, and then he became Prime Minister three times before being, um, you know, banned for life for lying on an affidavit about his sources of income and, and his assets. Um, obviously, throughout this time, both parties, PML and PPP, have accused each other of corruption. They've made several corruption cases against them. They spent the 90s, you know, going in and out of jail and, and the Prime Minister House uh, concurrently um, until they were overthrown by Pervez Musharraf. In, in um, Tawashif was overthrown by Pervez Musharraf in 1999. Um, uh, Musharraf spent about 10 years in power before he was ousted um, and the PPP and PMLN got together and signed a charter of democracy where basically, which Imran Khan basically calls, you know, the charter of corruption where they all you know, get together and, and loot the country. And it's a question of you scratch my back and I scratch yours. So they'll just take turns mm. coming into power and playing punch and duty politics uh, a bit like the Labour and Tories in this country where nothing mm. fundamentally changes uh, except for the faces at the top. And yeah, so that's that's where we're at now with PPP and PMLN. Imran Khan came in as a third force and he maintained from day one that they're all corrupt and when I come to power, they're all going to gang up on me and that's exactly what happened because their interests collide directly with uh, Imran Khan's goals, uh, which are to have a, uh, uh, an Islamic welfare state, a state that works for the betterment of the people. So, you know, things like um, you know, homeless shelters, things like food banks, things like um, uh, free healthcare. These these are the kind of things that Imran Khan wants to spend money on, and these are not the projects that um, you know interest PMLN PPP because you can't make kickbacks out of them. They like big white elephant infrastructure projects, uh, which they can overcharge the Pakistani state for and get kickbacks, uh, and you know just keep increasing their own wealth at the expense of the Pakistani people. Meanwhile, Pakistan is just uh, drowning in debt and the economy is not standing on its own two feet and generating enough money to run itself. Uh, these are the things that Imran Khan tried to change and they've all ganged up on him. So they have a lot of interests in common, the PPP and PMLN. They're essentially uh, family limited companies now, which uh, you know, which are being inherited by the next generation. So Zadari is going to you know, hand over the party to his son, Bilal, who is the son of Zadari and Benazir Bhutto, the grandson of Zulfikar Ali Bhutto. Um, Nawaz Sharif is going to hand over his party to his daughter, Maryam Nawaz. Um, Nawaz Sharif's brother wants to hand over the party, well, he wants to take over the party himself and then hand it over to his son, Hamza. So, yeah, that's 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 what these parties are. And, and they're, they're like feudal parties who, mm. who just uh, run the country like a personal fiefdom. Yeah, so there's a lot of nepotism, you could say. Um, do you think um, do you think there's next steps for Imran Khan are clear? Um, and also, can you tell us a little bit about Pervez uh, Ilahi? Because now obviously he is um, basically the head of Punjab at the moment, right? So if you could just let us know a little bit of background about yeah. him as well. Yeah, so Parangla is quite an interesting um, character in all of this. Parangla, he belongs to a um, a conservative 
as a small C conservative, um, well, say, I want to say small C, actually a property conservative uh, party background. He used to be part of uh, PMLN. He used to be part of Nawaz Sharif's party. Uh, he then, after the coup of Musharraf, he joined Musharraf and became the chief minister of Punjab in uh, Musharraf's time, uh, where he did actually really well uh, as chief minister. He has a lot of good administrative qualities. He gets on well with the bureaucracy in Punjab. And he's a very sort of astute political operator who has uh, a very good relations and links with all members from all parties. So whether it's PPP, PMLN or PTI, he knows them all. He's been around the block uh, and uh, he knows what makes uh, everyone tick. So he can get things done. He's a, he's a very good political operator. And despite having only 10 seats, Imran Khan's uh, chief minister in, in the Punjab province, uh, that just shows you how good a political operator he really is because he's managed to, um, you know, become uh, chief minister of, of, um, with just 10 seats while, while, he being, while he's being supported by PTI who have 168 seats. So, yeah, so he's the, he's the new chief minister of uh, PTI. He's not going to, you know, overextend himself because he knows he only has 10 seats. He's going to toe the line with, um, uh, with Ibrahim Khan until the next elections. And uh, there has been a split within the PMLQ, which is the party that he belongs to. But uh, it seems that he's taken over effective control of it. And the PMLQ is obviously a different party to the PMLN. Some people might yeah, think. so the PML, so PML, PML is basically Pakistan Muslim League. The Pakistan Muslim League comes from the All India Muslim League, which was the founding party of Pakistan, which was what Muhammad Ali Jinnah belonged to. Um, that was the party that campaigned for Pakistan. That was the party that um, that's political demand was to the creation of Pakistan in India. Um, and so everyone tries to sort of inherit that legacy and maintain that heritage and that link with the founder of Pakistan. And they try to say that, well, where the original Muslim League, where the Muslim League that, you know, descended from uh, Muhammad Ali Jinnah, where the Muslim League that belongs to the, uh, you know, the, where the Muslim League that is the founding party of Pakistan, uh, you know, where the pro-establishment, Pakistani establishment Muslim League, we, we are the genuine article. And so over the years, there's been several different, um, offshoots of that, there's been the Muslim League Conference, there's been the Muslim League Functional, there's been the Muslim League Gaide-Azam, which is PMLQ, and then there's the Muslim League Nawaz, which is the PMLN. I think we should probably start to wrap up now because we're reaching our 30-minute limit. But any final words, Akib, on what we should expect to see in the next few weeks, if not days? I think the situation is very fluid right now. So... Um, we could see a uh, there's been a, there's been some sort of understanding between Imran Khan and the establishment. It appears that way that there will be elections in October. Most likely option is that we're going to see the president, who is still a PTI um, uh, official. We're going to see the president ask the government in Islamabad to take a vote of confidence, and they will likely fail in that uh, in achieving the confidence of the house because some of the allies will be convinced by the establishment to just abandon this government and this whole project has failed. The problems that are on the horizon are relationship with China has been badly damaged throughout this whole operation. 
Um, there's been a U.S. drone strike in the meantime in Afghanistan, which has killed Ayman al-Zawahiri, the al-Qaeda number two, or number one now. Um, that's killed him. Uh, where did that drone take off from? Which airspace did it use? Uh, a lot of fingers are being pointed at Pakistan cooperating with the CIA. It seems that way. So uh, what Imran Khan said initially, which started off this entire regime change operation and relighted it from the US, was that um, would Pakistan allow its airspace to be used for drone strikes against terrorists in Afghanistan? And he said, absolutely not. And it seems like uh, that absolutely not is what caused the regime change operation. And that objective has been achieved in the sense that Pakistan was economically blackmailed by IMF uh, to the point of bankruptcy. And now all of a sudden the IMF has agreed to you know, uh, give give money to Pakistan and bail Pakistan out, but only after it allowed its airspace to be used uh, against Afghanistan once again. So you know that kind of objective objective has been achieved. How PTI deal with that if they do come into government? That's that's a, that's another big question. Um, you know, so things things are moving very quickly and things are very the situation is very fluid at the moment. Anything could happen at any time, but. Um, uh, most likely outcome is that we're expecting elections in October and PTI will probably win, uh, will definitely win a majority, maybe chance outside chance of a two-thirds majority. Uh, and, and let's see where things go from there. Okay. Thank you very much um, for coming in and telling us um, all the fascinating things that's happening at the moment. Um, certainly been an eye-opener for myself. I hope for our listeners it has been as well. Um, and hopefully we'll get you back in the future and you can update us on the situation. Maybe that will be when we see Imran Khan as uh, prime minister or president again, um, inshallah. Thank so you thank you for time. joining. That's all for us today. Um, that's Liberated Voices. Um, I hope you'll check in again on our next um, show, which um, we should be coming out every week. Inshallah. So, Assalamu alaikum.